I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Serious Issues, a Whitley comic book podcast brought to you by King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Andrew Levins. My name is Siobhan Coombs. We're here again to tell you which comics were great last week and which ones were not great. But I want you to know that all the comics that we are going to be talking about were given to us by the very kind people at King's Comics uh, in Sydney, which is 310 Pitt Street or kingscomics.com if you do not live in Sydney. But if you do live in Sydney or can get to Sydney... Then uh, the first Saturday of May mm-hmm. is a great time to get to King's Comics for free comic book day. Absolutely. Best day of the year. Um, unless it, you work in a comic book store. <laughs> it's also the best day of Siobhan's year because it's the first day of the year that she has not spent her entire day working on free comic book day. Hey, all right. I'm oh, wait, excited. No, actually, no. If anything, it's the one that you do the most free comic yeah, book day work on. The but, day after free comic book day. That's my time to shine. But uh, what, have you, what have you got planned for this incredible day? Um, so, guys, there's free comics. You get free comics, four free comics at King's Comics in Sydney. And um, we will have a kids' area, colouring in, face painting. We're going to have some amazing people signing. We've got Tom Taylor, who we're going to be talking about in this episode. Nicholas Scott. We've got... So that's X-Men, Red, or All-New Wolverine, or Injustice 2's Tom Taylor. Yep. Um, Black Magic, or Wonder Woman's Nicholas Scott. Yep. And then we've got uh, Nicholas' husband and a uh, friend of the show, Andrew Constant, who mm. is the writer of the Demon Hell is Earth yep. series. And the Phantom. Yep. And then his collaborator on the Kid Phantom series, the all-ages-friendly Phantom comic, um, Paul Mason. Dr. Paul is also going to be here. And then um, the incredibly nice and incredibly generous and lovely uh, Dean Rankin, who does artist. Simpsons comics and who uh, drew the Simpsons versions of us that we have on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. He will also be there. And we're going to have a Batmobile. The 1989 Batmobile is coming by. And we're going to have uh, you. Yep. I'm going to be hosting trivia throughout the very long line at the front of the store. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you're worried about getting in line, having to line up for half an hour and being bored, worry not, my friend. Because you can have Levens to talk to. Incredible basic trivia. Incredible basic Spell Batman. (laughs) Yes, that's good. Um, And I'll just be giving out liberal, liberal prizes. Yeah. I want want to, like, maybe I should dress as Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Last week I asked everyone which comic book character I should dress up as. My favorite suggestion so far was dupe. Yeah, nice. Which would be impossible. Impossible. Unless I just spray paint myself green and smell. Yeah, cool. That's easy his, for you. His costume ah. is like fifty percent odor. Yeah, you uh, gotta. Um, what about you? Got to come as like the claws version of Santa, though. 
now that you're... <laughs> okay. Like the Grant Morrison yeah. clause. Chris, uh, exactly. What's his name? Yeah. All right. So what you got to do. <laughs> another, another, good, another good suggestion. If you want to suggest who I should dress up as, there's only two weeks yeah. for me to try oh, and work God. it out. So please uh, hit us up at facebook.com slash groups slash series use podcasts and, uh, and let me know who, who, who I should dress up as for free comic book day. Absolutely. At King's Comics. Uh, make sure you are there. What's the date? It's the... Saturday, May 5th. May 5th. Um, so also check out, if you're not in Sydney, check out your local comic book store. Most places do something for it and it's yeah. a fun day. Go there for the free comic books. Stay there for you buying comic books. Yes, because absolutely. most stores often have sales too. So, you'll be, you know, it's not that you won't only get free, you can also get cheap comic absolutely. books. Absolutely. And it's a, like, it's an important point that it's a, it's a great day and it's really fun for comic book stores, but it does cost us an awful lot of money to put on yeah, because yeah. you have to pay to get the comics here yeah because it's not just it's not like all comics in the store are free no publishers release these uh very very you know cheap comics that you still have to purchase a great deal of because you know you want thousands of people coming through your comic book comic book stores door throughout the day so you know you're still spending thousands upon thousands of dollars on these comics which you'll then be giving out for free Mm -hmm. uh so if you uh you know if if if, if you have save up throughout the year to to buy a few physical issues um please give back to your store on free comic book day um, because the amount of work that they put into making sure that their, their, their free comic book day is very special. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, there's a lot of competition going on in Sydney alone Yeah, uh, with uh, some of the main ones here. Uh, I used to try and do all of them in one day. I did one Hard. year. Because I want, you know, there's one in like Parramatta, there's mm-hmm. one in Liverpool, there's one in the Shire, there's one in Newtown, um, and then there are three that mm. do free comic book day in, in, in the CBD, and I hit them all one time. Very impressive. It was uh, exhausting. Yeah, but not as exhausting fun. as walking up and down a line and do a yeah. trivia all day dressed as Santa Dupe. Dupe. <laughs> <laughs> also, just very quickly, Action Comics 1000 comes out this week. Um, so we have a very exclusive Nicholas Scott cover at King's, which you can get um, for an ex- pre-order exclusive price of twenty four ninety five. Um, once that hits the shelves on Thursday, it will be going up in price. So I recommend if you want to get the Nicholas Scott cover, which is exclusive to King's Comics. And it's a beauty too. It's really lovely. It has like all of Superman's most iconic costumes over his 80-year history. Drawn by um, arguably like one of the best comic book artists working today. Absolutely. Um, and we're going to be doing some fun stuff at King's for the launch as well. Nicholas is going to be here signing. Great. Um, so on Thursday. Like two weekends in a row or something? Yeah. With a little break in the middle. Look, if you guys like Nicholas Scott, we're she's the store for you. She's not. Um, she's going to live here for three yeah. weeks. She's not going on <laughs> Um, so Thursday, the 19th of April from 5 to 8 p.m., Nicola's going to be here signing with the colorist of the cover, Annette Kwok. We're going to have like a cake because it's Superman's birthday. We're going to have a big cosplay competition. Should be pretty fun. What time is that? Uh, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. The cosplay competition is being judged at 7.30 p.m. sharp. I'll pick up my, uh, my books a bit late this Yeah, week, nice. So I can go check out this cake. Yeah. Nothing else, just the cake. Just the cake. Um, and also, it's a great opportunity for you to me- meet me and Siobhan yeah. as well. Very important. Obviously. Um, uh, we'll be there mm-hmm. at Free Book Comic Book Day and maybe even this Thursday too. Yeah, yeah. Come meet us. We're lovely. Yeah, I think so. My mic is being weird. Hey, Mike, why are you being weird? Hello. 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 Cool. There we go. My mic is not weird anymore. Nice. Hey, everybody. My mic is not weird now, which means it's perfect timing to to (laughs) review all the comic books that came out last week, um, starting with the number ones, which is how we start every episode of Serious Issues. We review all the number one issues that came out the week before and uh, let you know which of the series that you should be picking up. Um, And we're going to start with a big stack of comics over here that have number one on them. Um, We're going to start with Marvel, who released two number ones last week. Um, this used to be the norm for Marvel, mm. minimum two comics that with the number one on them every week. But it's been a little bit of a, a little bit of a quiet time in terms of number one land at Marvel because they were doing 
the legacy renumbering. Yeah. Um, and now they've decided they're going to do both. Which is, it sounds mental, but from a retailer perspective, I don't mind it. And I just saw what it's going to look like and it's fine. Yes, yeah, fine. It's fine, guys. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Um, but these are, at, 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 these are number one, so they only have one number on them mm. and that number is one. Um, let's <laughs> kick off with uh, Exiles, number one. Um, written by Saladin Ahmed, who we recently saw wrap up his great run on Black Bolt, um, with pencils and colours um, by Javier Rodriguez, um, who uh, we've loved mm. um, on uh, Steve, the, the Sorcerer's Supreme comic yep. that came out a while ago. Uh, in, lots of Inhuman stuff he's done. Yep. Uh, Spider-Woman he was yep. great on. He's done lots of, um, a lot of my favourite Marvel runs from the last few years. Absolutely. Um, he's great. Inks by Alvaro Lopez and uh, colours for the most part of this issue by Jordi Belair. So it's a pretty incredible creative team. Mm-hmm. Um, working with a line, like a you know superhero uh, concept that I've not read anything of in the past. You read many Exiles books? No. <coughs> so None. The, from what I can gather, the concept is about Blink. Um, who travels throughout the multiverse, solving problems in the multiverse? So this is Blink from Age of Apocalypse, and it's kind of like a like the um, Jeff Johns run on uh, Booster Gold. Oh right, yeah, sure. It's almost I remember like I think the Judd Winnick run is what I'm like slightly familiar with. Okay, from like 10, 15 years ago, um, and it was like kind of like a one and done weird multiverse, almost like Elseworlds kind of book where right. everything would be solved by one issue. Um, in this one, we get the half of the let's get the team together story on mm-hmm. the road um, as Blink recruits um, an older version of Ms. Marvel. Um, and Super cool. Yeah, which is really, really great costume design too. I love her hair. Yeah. Um, and also a uh, slightly different version of, uh, what's his name? Kid Patriot? No, not Kid Patriot. What's his name? Iron Lad. Iron Lad, uh, who uh, we know is the young version of Kang. Um, and so this book also has Kang in it. What we don't see recruited is the weird uh, kind of little chibi, uh, cute, cute version of Wolverine. Yeah. And also the almost photorealistic Tessa Thompson version of Valkyrie. I'm into it. Um, so, yeah, this is quite a, I thought actually a surprisingly slow start. Um, it focuses a lot on um, the unseen, which is what Nicholas Fury Sr. is now, which is dumb. Kind of just wish he would just be just, uh, an, old, an old grizzled spy. Nah, I like it because it's like um, the Spectre. Okay. It's kind of exactly like the Spectre. <laughs> but uh, how but good, with a black hood instead of a green one. How good would it be if he, that More wasn't chains. Nicholas Fury, Fury Sr. and it was just this other character? Nah, but, I like that. It's like when, what's his name, became the Spectre. The guy from uh, Gotham Central? Yes. Right. What's his name? Crispin? Crispin. Something like mm, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look, I, 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 it's an interesting use of this character, but like they're not really using Nick Fury Jr. at the moment. And not the whole reason of getting sucks. Senior out of the way was so they could use Junior. In any case, we're getting Nick Fury Senior back in the form of a weirdly robed man with a big light-up eye. Yeah. And he seems to be the one that put everything in, into play to get Blink uh, back to forming the Exiles team. And she is... Uh, basically transported from multiverse, like multiverse to multiverse, uh, where she meets somebody that she recruits to her team. Um, not that it's her choice or their choice at all. It's just this is a, whatever is flashing her from one thing to another. This weird artifact is is assembling a team to uh, solve some bullshit. Take on the Time Eater, who's like a disembodied dead Galactus head. Uh, so I love Javier Rodriguez art a lot. Yep. I think this book was far too wordy to allow him to truly shine, which is a shame. True. Um, I think this uh, this could have been a much brisker 
read in which we were introduced to the entire team, um, considering they're all on the front cover too. Yeah. Um, but uh, but does that come down to us having like too much knowledge of the the format and being like, come on, get to the get to the meat of it? I feel like if this was your first no, just- intro. I just think that we, well, if this is my first intro to comics, I'd be like, wow, comics are slow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, comics are confusing. Who's Kamala Khan? Um, I liked it, though. Oh, look, I, I like it, too. I mean, obviously, the, the, the creative team is a team that I'd probably give 10, 10 chances to. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So if, the, if this meanders for 10 more issues, I'll probably still be reading. But, uh, yeah, I, I expect it a bit stronger from the, from the team. But I still think it looks good and it's a cool concept. I feel you. So I'll stick with it. Yep, me too. Um, could have been better and probably will get better within three issues. I think so. And I think they've done good char- characterization of Blink so far. A character who I don't know much about other than Age of Apocalypse, but I know people are extremely fond of. People love Blink for some reason. People love Blink. Let us know why you love Blink and maybe I'll dress up as her for every comic book day. Yes. <laughs> so we got another number one from Marvel this week and that was Domino, uh, a fabulous first issue, which I was most excited about because this signals uh, Gail Simone's return to Marvel. She's mm-hmm. not written for them in, God, almost two decades. Yeah. Uh, she, what did she last write at Marvel? What has she ever written at Marvel? She did some Deadpool stuff. And okay. And she did some... Oh, yeah. Shield. She got a thank you at the movie. Well. Yeah, in that's true. Yeah, right. Um, uh, this comes with art by David David Baldion and um, Jesus Abatov. The cover um, by the great Greg Land. What? Sorry? Oh, cover. Oh, yeah. No, not, not a great cover. Better than the weird ad with all the cards. Yeah. Um, Domino is one of those heroes that I, again, like Blink, I know very little about. Um... However, I know she has like fucking luck powers. Yep. Which Classic. I hate. That's dumb. It's a dumb power. It's <laughs> so unreliable. It's a great power. Nah, it's, nah, no way. Like Black Cat, it makes sense because like... She's a cat. Yep. That's the only reason it makes <laughs> sense. I don't know. Um, dominoes are lucky, right? You have to have luck to play dominoes. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Domino is trying to make it in this world. Isn't she, Siobhan? Yes, absolutely. Now you're going to a... tell me what else is happening in this book because I forget. <laughs> Um, what I liked about this, it, which I don't know if this is necessarily like a good thing, but it reminded me, I mean, sorry, it is a good thing, but maybe just because of my perspective, this reminded me a lot of, um, Gelsman's work on Birds of Prey. Okay, cool. So she's already kind of setting up a little team of best friends for Gelsman. And if you like Gelsman's work, you know that sort of solid female friendship is a pretty core thing that she she does a lot and to simplify that even more just writing teams is yeah absolutely one of her strong points as well absolutely so we see domino and it's domino's birthday and she's hanging out with her friends who are also assassins or Merc- something mercenaries, mercenaries? Yeah. yeah um and then they mercs with mouths they defeat some people and then it's her birthday and she's like i don't want a party but then they have a party and it's got dazzler and then she gets a dog and then someone tries to kill her at the end. Throws her off a building. And she's like, oh, no, my luck powers aren't kicking in. Oh, no. The end. I think she probably she dies. She dies. And it's a, it's a one shot. Yeah. That's, all, that's it, Gail. Thanks so much for coming back to Marvel, Gail. Yeah. See bye. You, see you again in 15 years. <laughs> um, but I liked this. You know, like, I, I think, again, this was quite uh, wordy. A mm-hmm. lot happens in this issue. I think that it could have been a little bit simplified, but I like David Baldian's art. Yeah, me too. I think I it has the right sort of combination of like sexiness and goofiness yep. that I think the series needs. Um, I think that, you know, the, the vibe of Birds of Prey-esque stuff that she's kind of developing appeals to me. Yeah, I, I, I like the supporting cast more than I liked her. Well, I think so far, she's just kind of boring. She's just kind of like, oh, quippy, I'm a quippy, merc. Kathy. 
Like, Could be Kathy. Yeah, like Kathy. She's always like, Ack. I need chocolate. Ack. That's my favorite 30 Rock joke. Yeah. Always Lemon says, chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Ack. Yeah. <laughs> it was really good. I read so much Kathy as a kid because it was just always in Australian papers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an enjoyable comic. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Is it? <laughs> I hope Dazzler shows up as like a regular cast member in this book because I'm sick of her just making cameos whenever they need a music thing. Yeah, but she's not cool. Yeah, Dazzler's not is. interesting long term. She's like... What about when, when Bendis made her like a, 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 a shield? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, then that turned it up to end of a mystique, I think. I can't remember. Or she was mind controlled or something. Something weird. That wasn't interesting for sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> not selling can, me. You're I not selling someone, me on this. Gail, someone can make Dazzler cool. Yeah. Someone could make Dazzler cool. Fucking give it to Jamie McKelvey. Um, I'm going to stick with this as well. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, but uh, yeah, again, as, as first issues, neither of these were exactly what I wanted from the book, but they certainly weren't what I not wanted. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. And that's why I should write both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I think. I, I think. I always am going to love Gail Simone when she has a little bit more free reign to be the sort of filthy, fucked up monster that she is. Well, I mean, after we so got like Crosswind, Crosswind, etc. That is that's the pinnacle of what I want from her. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, what I want is more Freaky Friday situations. More Freaky Fridays, please. Uh, do you know Chris Brown has a song about like Freaky Friday with yeah. a shitty joke rapper? Yeah, it's real gross. It is gross. It yeah. is gross. I've heard it more times than I would like to. I've only heard it once at the gym. And like, okay. I was I'm surprised. Out. Yeah, I was working out and like just with this like, ugh, look at my face, <laughs> like doing like high knees. And, uh, it was strange. It looked like I was in pain probably. But I was. Nice. Mental pain though, not physical because I'm fucking buff now. Um, buff, DC put out two number one or one number one this week and a surprise. Uh, the number one was The Immortal Men, uh, the latest from DC's New Age of Heroes. And this one comes to us via the artists Jim Lee. And, Who's he? Um, Jim Lee, he's been writing over at uh, Marvel for the last uh, th- 20 years. And he's finally, Jim Lee is coming to DC <laughs> to write Superman. Now, Jim, Jim Lee is a, is a um, the man who, who drew the masturbatory fantasies of every comic book reader <laughs> in the 90s. Uh, yes. And then he somehow became like the executive behind Lots of different companies. Because he started he was, Image Comics. He was one of the bros to start Image Comics. And he started Wildstorm too, right? Yes. Maybe? Maybe. I don't know. No anyway, one let us know. Yes, no one let Scott's, us know. Scott's, there oh, okay. you go. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Scott, thank you, Scott. No one except Scott let us know. Thank you for letting us know, Scott. <laughs> um, so the, um, this is uh, the Storytellers, um, but I think it means Jim Lee and Ryan Benjamin did art. So Ryan Benjamin obviously probably did like the 20 pages that Jim Lee was like, that's enough <laughs> after doing four. I'm tired. <laughs> I require more money to sleep. <laughs> um, and uh, the writer on this is James Tinney and the fourth, which is why I was like, maybe this will be good. Uh, on inks, we have Scott Williams and Richard Friend. And on colors, we have Jeremiah Skipper and Alex Sinclair. Um, and that is an enormous roster of talent. Yeah. Uh, just because... Jim Lee is involved. You need seven other people to do the, to do the legwork. <laughs> Pick up the slack. <laughs> um, have you read anything involving the Immortal Men before? No, I oh. had no idea what the fuck was going on in this. <laughs> Guess what, Siobhan? I'm not going to read anything else with <laughs> involving the Immortal Men either because I just, I just kind of cruise through this going, I'm not sure what's happening. I'm sure yeah. I'll know by the end. And I didn't. Yeah, and then I also just didn't care, unfortunately. I really hate the character's name, Caden. 
Caden <laughs> Park. I think that's a bad character name. I think that doesn't sound real. I think he sounds made up. Should we give like an actual like criticism that people can be like, oh, now I understand why they don't like this book, or should we just leave it at Caden being a shit name? <laughs> Because I'm fine with it. You know what? There were, there were elements of this that I did actually find. I sort of read it and it took me ages to get through. And I was like, it's an oh, this exhausting is, book. It's like, really complicated and there's a lot going on. They don't really introduce any of the characters in a way that's good. And the character designs are very 90s and like a bit ludicrous. Yeah, well, this book represents everything I don't like about DC. But then there were bits that I was like, oh, that's like the, the the concept of like the campus weirdly stuck with me and it came back to me when I was reading another book this week. Um, I think there were, there were elements of it that were kind of fun. And when the Immortal Man finally showed up at the end, I was like, ah. <laughs> Why wasn't he in here earlier? Who's Who's they? Who yeah. are these people? Who's the green glowing guy in the cowboy hat? What's his deal? Tell us more about him. Who's Moon Knight with guns? Tell me way less about the return of the Batman who laughs, who just shows up. In oh, the yeah. You know what? That was a point where I was like, no, fuck this. I cannot deal if the Batman who laughs becomes like an ongoing I know, character. I cannot deal he with, sucks, he sucks, he sucks. with red on black text. That's just, I. it's the least offensive part of him. He's the worst <laughs> character. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, it's this super serious, grim um, you know, drawn yeah. by Jim Lee. It's just it, 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 these are the things that stop me from reading DC books. Drawn by Jim Lee. Yeah, look, it wasn't great. It's not great. And this is the one that most explicitly uh, is tied into Dark Knight's Metal, and I think that's the thing that I found least appealing about. Yeah, it. totally. Um, Confusing. Not a not a killer first issue. So opinions. still, Silencer, my favorite of all of these New Age of Heroes books. Yeah. So surprising, but it's actually good. So weird. So weird, guys. Uh, so DC also put out another um, book this week, although it wasn't specifically a DC book or a mm. comic, because mm. um, DC also published Mad Magazine, and they have relaunched Mad Magazine. Um, so we got <sighs> issue number one for June 2018. June 2018. I don't it's know, man. It's fucking April. <laughs> Mad have a weird release schedule. Sometimes we'll get like three at once. No, I'm thinking of 2000 AD. I don't know why the fuck this happened. Well, they're both the same size. I love the inside cover already, and I love the classic... Bill Gaines pick with Harvey Kurtzman. Um, the, f- the, f- the front cover art reworked for the inside cover. Yeah, And I also really love the um, the going back to the old font for the logo, for yep. the Mad. Yeah, I like a that a lot. Beautiful font. Um, it, this is... Pretty much exactly what I remember Mad Magazine being, except it's a lot more lewd and a bit more adult. Yes. Adult but not in a good way. Uh. In the same way that, like, the um, scary movie and its spin-offs, like, epic movie and that okay. kind of things were, like, real... Dicks. Yeah, and, like, like virgins. I'm going to masturbate this dog Yeah, that kind of stuff. Terrible. Um, oh, I fucking love Mad Magazine. There were some moments that I that I really loved in it. There is an extended, um, you know, classic Mad Look by um, Sergio yes. Aragones, yes. which was him doing a Mad Look at harassment. <laughs> which, mm. like on paper, you're like, oh no, but mm. it was it was actually really funny. Mm. Just like him kind of taking on stereotypes and and, uh, and you know police violence, but yeah, in, a, in his own way, and it was actually pretty well done. That was easily the highlight of the magazine for me um, because it's a book that I borrowed by Kings. I will never find out what the uh, the mad fold-in at the oh, back no. will, will lead to. It's always the best bit. 
Um, but uh, yeah, Al Jaffe is on that. You have uh, a lot, lot of like classic mad artists um, the usual and, gang, and mad style working on. There is an extended um, oh, Archie parody great. Called, called Starchy, which then goes into Riverdull. Fuck yes! So I'll definitely be lending this to you so you can. Uh, yes, please. Read it. I, I, yes, was, please. That was pretty funny, and the lewd jokes in that actually worked and they made sense because that itself that that's them parodying a sexy show. Um, but there, um, there's, there, there's, there's stuff. There's like a joke about Ready Player One that was written by Brian Posehn. Um, there's like a Mads, Mads movie mogul guide marketing chick flicks to the dude bro demographic, which is like not clever mm. in any way. It's a bit kind of you know cracked.com which is is, cracked is always the uh the rival to mad magazine which is now a a very successful college leaning yeah uh, online the number one argument that um nate and i have is that he thinks cracked is better than mad and i'm like i i will break up with you um and then there is a um a comic um which is uh like a big kind of uh dc riff about all the dc heroes bringing your sidekick to work day which just kind of felt like a robot chicken sketch yeah yeah, yeah. which is fine yeah fine why shouldn't it feel like anything besides that like robot chicken essentially is mad magazine in uh format lots of lots of uh lots of hit and miss jokes but Mm. you know you kind of get stoned enough to enjoy it oh and of course there's spy versus spy that was always my favorite thing of uh in in mad magazines growing up and reading this i was like oh Oh, I see. I, I couldn't tell if this wasn't a good spy versus spy, or just it isn't that good of a concept. Like, you know what? It's I, a great concept. Yeah, th- these were not very particularly good yeah. spy versus spy strips. I always loved the snappy answers to stupid questions. That was always my favorite. I don't think that's any of my that favorite format. Um, and then there's a uh, the kind of biggest part in the beginning is like a like eight pages of um, Star Wars: The Last Jedi cool um, parody, which is you know kind of done in that classic kind of mad caricature mm-hmm. which is amusing but um the jokes don't really hit but why do you care it's a mad magazine they don't have to yeah nice who reads mad magazine to laugh <laughs> not me um i, I read it to have the stark reality of the outside world shown back at me in the real mirror format that it actually is mm, that's good mm. uh, so image put out some books this week too with number ones on them uh and this week uh Revealed to me that all American writers are terrified of Russia. Oh my god, guys! I just feel like everyone needs to be banned from writing like sweet Soviet era crime books for like a hot minute. Because like I have, I have one Russian friend who comes to Queens of Kings called Ekaterina, and she is like <laughs> just constantly like she read red sun for the first time she was like what the fuck do you people think of like <laughs> russians what is this shit I, it feels like you know like you know how like there's a big joke at the moment that like italians are like the last the last bastion of being allowed to be racist mm. to italians oh we're awful towards but russians russia cops it because yeah. russia's is like that it's like oh no you can always make the bad guys russian yeah absolutely that, that, that weird like remnants of cold war yeah no one's gonna call you out for for stereotyping russians yeah. for some fucking reason it's bizarre so we've got two number ones from image this week uh both of which rely on or one more so than the other mm. just like a very very tired idea of of russian soviet spy kind of things um the, one of them was the dead hand which is written by um kyle higgins um, with art by Stephen Mooney, um, colours by Jordi Belair. So a pretty great team working on this one. And this is about um, uh, like a kind of like a, a secret Soviet sect called the Dead Hand. Um, 
Wait, no. Is he a Soviet? No, he's an, is he American? He's American. He's American but he, he, but he has a red star on his face. Yeah. So he looks like a terrible like superhero he, version. Also, he looks like he can't Soviet. look because it like blindfolds his head. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Um, the second half of this book was way more interesting than the first half. I think, yeah, I think the, the pulpy kind of beginnings, like he, basically like this guy used to be in the dead hand and he, towards the end of the Cold War, was like taking out um, Russian, you know, soldiers and stuff like that. Mm. And then uh, we jump forward and there is a, um, a, a kind of British journalist is out hiking and stumbles upon this town. Um, he's like, you know, he's really tired and fucked up and they take care of him. And then um, he starts asking about the dead hand. Mm-hmm. And there is all these crazy secrets, including a big twist about where the town is and why he shouldn't have been able to find this town in the first place. I don't know if I really did justice describing what happened in this plot. It is a bit convoluted so far in the first issue. But um, at the end of this, you're kind of like, is the, the, the town's not in, it's not an American town, no. as you at first assume. It is a town that is completely cut off from the rest of the world by sort of transport, etc., and just appears to have just popped up in the middle of nowhere, and it's actually in the middle of Russia. Crazy, guys. What's going on? But that twist was enough to keep me hooked, and if it's Absolutely. enough, you know, it's, you know we, I know we don't normally reveal the twist at the end of the first issue. Well, we kind of do more, more so than an actual big spoiler in an image book, but I think that might be enough to hook some people. Absolutely. Higgins is a great writer, um, especially on his own things, so uh, I think... That element of this is is pretty interesting, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was funny reading this immediately after the next book we're about to yes. talk about, um, which is Steve Orlando's um, uh, Fear of Russia book. <laughs> uh, this is called Crude, um, and uh, features art by Gary Brown, who did that um, uh, that comic with um, Warren L. No, Warren Ellis, Brian Wood about the pilgrimage guys. That during the during the Christian oh yeah bip, bip. I don't know I can't remember, I can't I remember. what it's called not yeah whatever it was <laughs> terrible Lila original colors on this one um, yeah it's called crude and um, this is a story of like a secret Russian agent yeah who abandons his family to do or like you know pretends that he can't be he can't be with his family often because of the horrible things his government makes him do so when he's when he's uh, his estranged son is killed. He then decides to seek revenge on something. Mm. This was a weird, on an oil tanker. A weird comic about being a man, <laughs> <laughs> being a Russian man. Um, yeah, this wasn't. This was quite confusing, and I don't really understand when it's supposed to be set or where. It jumps forward in time, yeah, pretty drastically. Um, and I don't think that was like communicated clearly enough. Um, I didn't love this. I didn't love this. No, I probably won't be sticking with it. And I feel bad because I, you know, I, I literally have not liked anything that that Steve Orlando did since Moon Knight. Moon, Moon, fuck. What's his name? Midnighter. <laughs> Moon Knight. <laughs> I was going to say Moon Knighter. <laughs> Midnighter, which is an awesome run that he did for DC yeah. Comics. It was written so well. And like, I think I, I like his take on the character more than the Warren Ellis take on the character, um, which is a massive compliment. But I've just, mm. yeah, I haven't really been able to attach myself to anything he's done since then. Mm, um, yeah. I haven't disliked everything. I just haven't like kind of meh towards it. Yeah. Um, so rather than kind of, you know, slowly trashing this each issue, I think just tap out of this one. Good call. I think I will do the same. So yeah, two new image books, Crude and The Dead Hand. If you hate Russians, check them out. <laughs> just kidding. 
if you hate Russians, take a good look, hard, hard look at yourself in the mirror and maybe it turns out you actually hate yourself. Yeah. Donald you hate, Trump. You hate the tiny Russian inside of you, like a Russian doll. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> a good bit. Thanks. Um, they should make Donald Trump Russian dolls. It would be a pretty funny gift at the office place. That is a very funny gift. I like that. Um, and it's all different cabinet members inside him. Yeah. And they all get fired. Yes. Yeah, politics, man. It's crazy. You're so clever. Um, so through Statics Press this week, um, we got one of their excellent uh, European translations through Titan Comics. Um, and this, I was like, oh, no, when I saw the size of this They're and so how much text. But fucking hell, this is rewarding to get through. Okay, uh, I didn't get through it. Okay, it's the season of the snake is its name. It's written by Serge Lehman and uh, Jean-Marie Michaud uh, on art. And this is... On paper, the most unappealing Levin's book of all time. Mm. It is a high, hard sci-fi, high fantasy book mm-hmm. um, in which the first three, two-thirds of this book um, is just all set up as we slowly build a war- world and introduce to all these characters as this kind of like day from hell happens in this like weird future space society. Um, it's almost like, a, like an airport, I guess. Yeah. Where all these visiting um, people from different um, alien nations and worlds come to kind of, you know, go on to their next destination. Um, And uh, we see like different staff at this port um, and also royalty and like people that are viewed as gods and Mm -hmm. different, like just lots of different points of view. There's at least kind of like six to eight different characters that we see from their point of view throughout this quite long issue. Um, And. So how far did you get? I got. I'm looking at all this. Like, oh man, I didn't. I don't think I even got halfway. Nope. Yeah. You no. Should, wow. I you really, really get... try and get through it. It was, it was so tough work, incredible though, by the end of it. Yeah, I know. I, I really had to be like, no, read this for the greater good. We <laughs> need to read this one because uh, those European comics, they'll get you good. Mm, it reminded me of um, a tweet I saw one time by oh, cool. Zane. Good. Yeah, thanks, man. By Zainab actor who. Runs. Fuck, I can't remember what it's called now. Stories. Anyway, bad. whatever. She's like publishes comics, and um, she was like French comics. It it's pretty, but is it good? <laughs> this was definitely good. Okay, and you've read enough good French comics to know that they is good. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't. I couldn't quite make it through this one. It was um, it's a lot. Pick yourself up and try again. All right, all right. I really, really enjoyed this. It's an incredibly rich world that I think justifies the long, wordy setup that it takes to actually figure out how it works. Mm. Um, Because once it gets going, like the 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 final act of this is was really, really compelling. Is basically it's it's all about how well ordered this port is and all the people in it, how reliant Mm. they are on the rules. Mm -hmm. And then as you know, all these events happen that lead to the rules just being just just destroyed mm. and chaos um, uh, taking over the port and all these people, people's lives. Um, it was really, really amazing. The art is phenomenal with great splashes of color throughout the, um, throughout the book. Um, it gets sexy at one point. Woo. There's like all these different crazy alien races, um, like people, like tree people and, mm. um, and robots and, uh, and bug people. Uh, it really had it all going for it. And I think, yeah, it, it was a struggle getting through that first introduction. Um, yeah. But once I got past that point, it really was a very rewarding read. Um, I'm, I'm very, very uh, 
curious as to how long each issue was going to be. This is was actually divided up into like three parts. Yeah. This book, uh, and so I think maybe when it was originally released, it was. I would if- say it was probably a graphic novel, especially judging by the like, um, like it doesn't look like this was the right size format for. Oh, actually, it's a really good point. Yeah. Um, I was going to say it was either that or it was released in like these, you know, smaller, mm. easier to digest chapter by chapter. Um, I really love this. It's called The Season of the Snake. If you are in the market for something very different, um, that will, uh, you know, it will be a challenge, but will be rewarding. Um, even by the end of the first issue, please uh, try and ch- track it down and check it out. I really love what Titan do with their Static Express stuff. Yeah. And always give that first issue a, a shot. And I'm really disappointed. So give this one a shot. The Season of the Snake. Nice. Um, we got a new Cullen Bunn book this week. I didn't read it. Aftershock. Oh, you would have liked this one. Oh, yeah? It's called The Brothers Dracul. I usually like Cullen Bunn's first issues. Well, especially when it's like him doing his own thing. Yeah. Um, Mirko Kolak is the artist on this one with Maria Santaolala and um, Simon Barland. Um, And this was a book basically about the the Brothers Dracul. It's set in uh, Targo Viste um, as... uh, a um, kind of uh, a king imprisons the sons of um, of uh, I guess the, the I guess Dracula himself. Yeah. Um, and then we, we we kind of jump back and forward, forth in time. These these uh, these brothers who may or may not be vampires, um, being raised by the 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 king, like the enemy, basically the enemy of their father, who has allowed his father their father to run free, but in, in return uh, keeping their, his sons prisoner. And um, the the son of the sultan takes him takes their brothers to go and uh, see where they really come from. And then at the end of the issue, they come face to face with a Nosferatu esque vampire who has laid waste to an entire world, mm-hmm. entire, entire town. I mean, um, so yeah, like you know, it's uh, Colin Bunn doing pretty basic horror, but it was very competent. Mm. And I may just read another issue, but I also may not. Nice. Um, just a little update on books that I did not read this week. Nice. Um, I, I wanted to pick up Resident Alien, um, issue one, um, An Alien in New York, which is a long-running um, Dark Horse miniseries that they release in like kind of four-issue stints. But mm-hmm. it was like the fifth of this kind. Didn't really, it wasn't really new reader-friendly, so I didn't read much of it. Nice. And uh, I only read a few pages of Super Mansion, which is a comic nice. book adaptation of like a uh, uh, like a Hulu. Um, superhero comedy series okay with a pretty cool voice cast but the voice cast would be like the only reason why you would watch it so why would you read it <laughs> didn't really give me many many, many reasons to read it um so yeah those are the number ones for this week um great yeah, well that's first things first done now it's time for siobhan to roll the dice i'm taking a week off rolling the dice my fingers uh need a break Fair so we're enough. gonna roll the dice right now okay uh first is marvel so we're gonna review marvel books next after that we're gonna review marvel uh, Marvel. I read three Mar- Mar- all the Marvel books three times. Marvel, then DC, then Image. Okay, Marvel, then DC, then Image. Let's kick it off with some farewells because some uh, incredible art talent had their last issues um, over at Marvel this week, and uh, there were some of our absolute favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have uh, kicking off with, I would say, one of our favorite books since we started the show. Um, uh, that is the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, written by Ryan North and has always had art uh, for the entire run, which is like. I think, I think like forty something issues uh-huh. and and a, and a graphic novel, um, art by Eric Henderson with colors by Rico Renzi, and uh, it was recently announced that Eric Hen- Erica Henderson would be leaving the book, and going on to do some uh, create her own stuff, which is exciting. I'm really excited to see what she comes up with. But very sad to know that Unbeatable Squirrel Girl will not have her talents on the inside. She's sticking around to do the covers for a while. 
Thank goodness. And we just got the uh, news that Derek Charm, who was um, the artist on Ryan North's Jughead run, mm-hmm. uh, is going to be the artist on Squirrel Girl now, which is really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. It's great news. <laughs> like it's someone that we know already works really well with Ryan North. Yeah. Uh, Considering so much of these books, um, like Ryan North's books, rely on sight gags, yes. I think it's really important that you have someone like Derek Charm who understands a sense of humor, they work well together, and is a great sort of visual comedic artist who who i think most importantly has his own style just like erica did it doesn't yeah. just look like they're like you know most comedic artists are like you know like parody artists I yeah. guess, you know draw things that already exist in an exaggerated way whereas these guys have they're very much an uh, own style that that's very capable and lends itself very well to comedy i'm definitely gonna miss a lot about erica henderson's work i don't think that derek charm has the same level of like uh, simplicity well, I was going to say, like, like fashion, yep. eye, style. Um, she's really made these characters feel real and lived in and, like, her own. Um, so I'm really going to miss her on the book. And this was such a beautiful, sad issue to go out on. It made me cry twice. Yes. This, is, this issue made me cry twice. Um, very few I comics cry, have done I'm very tough. Um, I'm not tough at all. I'm, uh, I'm the opposite of unbeatable when you mm. were a comic that could potentially make me cry. Um, but uh, in this book, in this issue, sorry, um, uh, Squirrel Girl and her flatmate and best friend, um, Nancy Whitehead, um, encounter a really goofy um, criminal who basically like stri- streams all of his crimes mm-hmm. um, as epic crimes. Um, and he uses stolen alien tech to shoot a gun at um, Squirrel Girl and Nancy, which allows, which stops, basically freezes the rest of the world and puts them it gives them hyperspeed. Yeah. So the entire issue, they are moving at an incredibly rapid rate. Um, the basically issue sees them um, like become old ladies um, while the rest of the world barely spans a, a week. Um, and uh, we see them first like basically like, like preemptively stop all of these crimes. And so New York is completely crime and danger free to the point where uh, people are just like putting a brick on the accelerator and uh, and knowing that someone is going to save them and take them to work. Jumping off buildings, um, et cetera. And uh, all the while they're also trying to work on a way to basically like travel back in time to where they originally were hit by this gun. Before they die of old age. Um, and uh, so it's this great celebration. I heard a sniff. Siobhan's finally breaking. Yeah. Sorry, just talking about <laughs> it. She's crying. But it's a great celebration of, uh, I think, you know, this book is about friendship. Mm-hmm, and uh, this was an amazing exploration of, uh, of the Nancy power and Doreen. Of platonic friendship. Yeah. Friendship. Um, and uh, it also allowed Erica to draw what these characters would look like as they aged. Yeah. Um, and so we got like new haircuts, new fashion. We saw uh, Squirrel Girl at one point, like, don a beautiful dress. Um, it was like, yeah. And it was beautiful because it wasn't, you know, it was about their, them staying best friends throughout this whole thing and being like all the things that you love about Squirrel Girl and Nancy, how they're like really active and they're, you know, they don't just sit around, they learn how to paint and they, you know, help people and they have all these like routines and they do all this stuff together and at the end they're still absolute best friends who are totally in love with each other and it's just the most lovely thing. It's so gorgeous. And of course, you know, they, they save themselves and, yep. and, and New York, but... Uh, the it was a it had a lot of weight to it in Absolutely. a way that the next issue I don't think did um, that we're going to talk about. But yeah. before we talk about that, I just uh, you know I, I then there is a you know I was expecting um, a lot of fanfare for both the farewell to Erica and the farewell to Chris Samney in Captain America this week, mm. um, and you didn't get any fair fanfare for Samney whatsoever. Not so much as a fucking thank you yeah, in the letters it. section. Um, so when I read Squirrel Girl, I was expecting like you know a very emotional. Um, 
and 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 lovely and funny, poignant kind of note from Ryan North to his collaborator Erica Henderson. You know, the two of them together. That's how you get this book. You don't Absolutely. you don't get this book without either one of them. Um, uh, and uh, you know, we've actually gotten lots of letters from Ryan about. Erica Henderson in the past, including, you know, how, how much of an incredible worker she was on the mm. graphic novel. So I was very surprised to see that the, the, there's nothing from him in this issue. It's all from her. Yeah. And it's her basically, you know, saying how, you know, the, where she was in her life when she was offered this job um, and where she is now, seven years later, or well, sorry, 905 pages of Squirrel Girl later. Mm. Um, and I just, did you read this? Yeah. I just found it so wonderful and, and great and it just made me love her. She's one of those just like Absolutely. just a, a, a really, really inspiring creator who I just love all the work of and yep. I know her style is not for everyone, but it's definitely for me. Absolutely. And um, I thought there was a, just a beautiful farewell um, from the creator herself instead of someone saying, she was great. Yep. <laughs> and yep. That, that made this issue very, very special to me and I think... I'm going to you know, try and pressure you to, uh, to name your favorite issue each week, but this was definitely my favorite issue that we read this week. Yeah, I don't know, but I really fucking loved it. And did you see the, the, cute, the cute message on the front? What's the message on the front? Um, so there's a little bit that says, Behold, you enjoy escapes, rodents, intrigue, combat, and wacky entertainment. Let our volume enchant you. Observation, unbeatable. Oh, wow. And the first um, letter of every... Word, it spells out, by Erica, we love you. That's beautiful. Very cute. Well done, Ryan North. You cute and man, Ryan involved. North. Great editor. I think it's Will, Will Moss. Yep. Yeah. Um, incredible team. And then all, all the, the sum of all those parts uh, make up this brilliant book. Absolutely. I don't know. Michael Orwood did the, uh, the great Squirrel Girl logo. That's cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to sticking with this book and also looking forward to what Erica Henderson does next. It's not really like I'm not sad to see this end because, no. you, know, you know, it's like, you know, I've done enough with this. It's time to go do something else. And mm-hmm. the book's still going to continue with Ryan North as well. And Derek Charm is great. So absolutely happy with this one. It'll just be something different. Uh, so, yeah, I mentioned earlier, but we also got the final issue um, of Captain America drawn by Chris Samney, uh, which is much bigger than just Captain America because this is actually his farewell to Marvel after giving mm-hmm. us uh, so many of our favorite Marvel uh, issues over the last few years. Uh, Daredevil, Black Widow. This, uh, the mighty, the oh. Thor, the mighty event. No, what's it called? Thor, the mighty event. Blue Avenger, that's brilliant with, um, with the guy who wrote it, whose name is something. There you go. <laughs> But Chris Samney is great, um, an incredible um, style, which is very influential, uh, that kind of minimalist uh, throwback Silver Age style that is so emotive, like actually quite similar to Erica Henderson mm. in that he is able to convey a lot of emotion with, uh, you know, very little lines. Yep. Um, and I think, that, you know, that's that, that's a direct um, kind of uh, influence from Kirby. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this the, the main part of this book is a... Um, is the finale of the uh, arc in which Captain America has been transplanted uh, to the future, um, in which a far-right group has kind of, uh, you know, blown up most of New York and there's, he leads a, a band of rebels to try and get America back. Um, of course, written by Matt, Mark Wade with Matthew Wilson on colours. Um, and uh, then there's a backup, which is an all-new classic tale, uh, which was Mark Wade stitching together panels of old Jack Kirby Captain America comics to make his own... A uh, pretty cute little story um, hmm. with, yeah, classic Kirby art, which, and I hope they do this more and more, Matt Wilson colors yeah, on this, gorgeous. which was just incredible. And uh, God, there's some beautiful, beautiful panels by Kirby in there. We'll get this out of the way before, so we can talk about Sumney in a minute. But, yeah, but uh, Jack Kirby's the best. If you're a Kirby fan or if you are wondering why, why you're not a Kirby fan, definitely turn to the back pages of this for the, uh, just such incredible art. Totally. And if you like the concept of new 
stories being told over classic art. Check out the Marvel Romance Redux books that they did a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah? They're really good fun because they're like uh, classic ram- romance comics. But then they put in all new dialogue by contemporary writers and they're very, very funny. That's great. I like them a lot. Uh, so, yeah, this was uh, not funny at all. No. Um, but um, I liked it. I did too. Um, Captain America has been... I haven't really enjoyed this arc much at all. No. Uh, he's in this, you know, stupid future world, which isn't that distant after all. Um, they didn't even... You didn't even get to talk to any of the dog people. They never <laughs> explained the dog people. There's been a dog person on the cover of a few issues now. And he has a t-shirt on that says, good boy, but we don't get to talk to him. What's his backstory? We don't even know if he was a good boy. Some bullshit. <clears throat> but this really got to the heart of why Captain America is as beloved a character as he is and what makes him tick is basically his, you know, never give up attitude and mm. fight until the end. And um, in this issue, he realizes that that's not how you win. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically, he had to give up the war in the future to return to the past. Um, and there is some bizarre time paradox shit that goes on. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was a pretty nice, poignant moment. Um, to end this arc on. I agree. I sort of hate the, like, in the back matter of this, there's been all these, like, letters from creators and then also people just saying, like, what Captain America means to them. Yeah. Um, that and essentially that means, me. that, that, that translates to what does America mean to you, which as an yeah. Australian who is, like, I feel like, no, nah, we're definitely not the least patriotic country, but I feel like... Nationalism is not as big a thing here as it is maybe in the States. Well, like, it's, like, it's not... It's not normal here. Yes, there like, you go. Someone who is increasingly patriotic in Australia, and look, maybe you're an American listening to this, and you're like, "Shut the fuck up! You know, you know nothing about our country." Fair enough. Fair I'll, enough. I'll take that. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I feel like, like I see an Australian flag in in someone's car on their house, and I'm like, "Ooh, boy, <laughs> racist." <laughs> but that's our flag, which has its own unique problems. Yeah, um, and not to say that the American one doesn't also, but yeah, yeah. Th- there is this accepted pride. And um, yeah. that, like, you know, Mark Wade, who is, you know, decidedly left-leaning, um, is still very, very proud to be an American, which is yeah. totally fine. It is just very strange to see that side of him come out in this book. Absolutely. Um, and I'm not saying, just to cover all bases, I'm not saying that you should not be proud of your country. I'm not saying that you should not, you know, see everything that is important about being American in Captain America. But it is, as an Australian, strange to read sometimes. Yes. And also, I think nationalism is silly. <laughs> We're all just people, guys. Can't we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? Fucking hell. Huh, Cap? Mate. Um, but no, a good issue, definitely. Um, and I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss, like, if you're going to have someone draw fucking stars and stripes and square jaws and stuff, you want it to be Chris Samney, so I'm going to miss him on the book, and no, I don't I, think I'm going to be reading it much afterwards. Until he, oh, yes, you are, because Tana Hitsi Coates is writing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fuck, thank goodness. Can someone please R.I.P. Mark Wade. take that oh, yeah, that Siobhan just said, <laughs> and then do the entourage intro? <laughs> But when, when when the guy from Jane's Addiction sings, oh, yeah, just have Siobhan going, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a very Please. good impression of me. That'll I get, enjoy that. That'll get 70, like, 70 yes, views please. on YouTube at least. Someone said to me, actually, Andrew Constant, we were having a chat in the store the other day, and he was like, yeah, you've got to make your reviews more Australian. So there you go, Andrew. Oh, Except- yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay, well, we'll make sure we use some very Australia-specific. Look, I'm not here um, to fuck spiders. It's my favorite. It's <laughs> my favorite one. Um, Actually, you know, I, I, saying that nationalism is shit is a pretty Australian way to review <laughs> Captain America. Yeah, true. But, um, and you, you know, you were saying, like, you know, if you're going to have a book w- with stars and stripes and square jaws drawn by, you know, anyone, it may as well be Somni. That's probably what he's going to be doing next because he's rumored to be Superman. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Shut Maybe. up. Really? Uh, that, that's, that's the strong rumor. With Bendis? I don't know. Hopefully not, Ben. I don't, I don't know. I mean, actually, you know, he, he, I guess so, yeah. What? 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 But I, I thought it was very bizarre. I, I feel like. Don't this, tease this, me with that. I don't, I don't like talking about the, co- the politics within comics, but I thought it was very bizarre that we didn't get a, you know, a hidden thank you sum. Maybe, maybe it was too hidden. Yeah, maybe it was I, on the cover. It, but like, you know. Maybe the dog man is Chris Samney, and that's his way of saying he's a good boy. I know Samney was very, very upset with Marvel when they made those comments about the importance of yeah. writers over artists uh, last year, which is an incredibly stupid thing for them to say. Absolutely. Um, and I think he just kind of waited for his contract to be over, and they've, and, and they've ended on pretty bad terms. Mm. But that didn't mean he still didn't draw a hell of an issue. It was his final issue. So. Yeah. And I, I'm so excited to see what he does next. I really, really hope that it is a creator-owned thing that he writes as well. Because yeah. I think he has a, new, a DC New Frontier in him. Because yes. I see him as like my neck, you know, as Darwin Cook's kind of, yeah. I know, even though they probably didn't ever work together, like he's somewhat of a, not protege, but like, you know, they have a lot of similarities. <laughs> Absolutely. And a, and a lot of like the same heart as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they can be dark when they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely think that he has the writing chops on him to do a really amazing tale too. Yeah, for sure. You know, apparently that Black Widow run was mostly him and less Wade. Well, yeah, it was very pared back in terms of narration, etc. So, so this this run is going to continue for a few more issues. Leonardo Romero is going to be the artist alongside love, Wade for a I while. So I'll have to figure read, read those, see where see where it goes, and then we get Tanahisi Coates taking over America, Captain America soon. Which is, I don't think you could make a better choice. It's really cool. It's a really yeah. smart call by Marvel. Yeah, I'm really and excited really to check those that these out. Days, so. Yeah, <laughs> good idea. Um, so uh, another farewell, but not so much of a uh, you know massive one. Uh, we had the final issue of Thanos, uh, written by Donny Cates with art by Jeff Shaw, who I never clicked until now. Jeff Shaw was his artist on um, God Country, uh, so this uh, is actually their second book together. I also forgot that that was Donny Cates. Yeah, um, and uh, this also had colours by Antonio Fabella. Um, and this is yeah the end of the Thanos wins arc in which um, Thanos is uh, sent into the future uh, to help his fu- his old man version of himself uh, take on various uh, celestial beings. Um, and uh, in this, he realizes that one must fight, one last fight must be fought 
in order for um, them, him to win the heart of his love, Death herself. Uh, the sexiest death we've ever seen. I know. I wish it was still a, just a skeleton. The skeleton with boobs, very yeah. important. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, basically this is uh, old man Thanos versus regular Thanos. Fight to the death. However, Thanos realizes that a, a fight with a crippled old man is not a fight worthy of his time. Mm. I liked that moment. Yeah. This is a fun ending to a to a really, really, like, you know, this 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 entire little, like, you know, mini that, that um, Kate's wrote just felt when it was announced, like just this like kind of tacked on extra thing to, to Jeff Lemire's arc mm. that didn't seem linked to it at all. And it totally wasn't, but he did something really cool here. Absolutely. And, uh, Kate's is along with this. And also the next issue we're going to talk about Kate's has cemented himself as one of my favorite writers working at Marvel right now. And they were very clever. Another clever um, idea, uh, idea on their behalf. Signing him exclusively, exclusively. I think he's got some really amazing ideas in him. And they should just let him do whatever he, the fuck he wants because clearly it worked with this. Absolutely. I look forward to him doing too many titles and being totally burnt out in one year. <laughs> Starting with Venom. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he's a good call. If anyone's going to make me interested in Venom, I think Donny Cates has that has that in him. Yeah. I loved Rick Remender's Venom run, but that was something very different to just it, him being like this. Wow. I don't, oh, was that Agent, when he was, the Agent Venom run. I liked that. That's so good. That was great. One of my favorite Remender books. Um, Donny Cates also wrote Doctor Strange issue 388 um, with art by Nico Henrichon. Um, and this ties into the Damnation event, um, which is being, the Damnation event is being co-written between Cates and uh, Nick uh, Nick Spencer. Um, and I'm enjoying these Doctor Strange uh, issues more so than the Damnation event. I think so, yeah. They kind of tie into what's happening in the main book, but they're much more Strange-focused. And um, they have this new character that is on Doc- in, in Doctor Strange's life now who is like a ghost dog, basically. Yeah, um, and, who might be the best character. Yeah, his name is Bats. And uh, in, in the, at the end of uh, the last issue of Damnation, he inhibited Doctor Strange's body, which had been taken over by like the been made into like an evil ghost rider yeah yeah and so this is like this very kind of meta uh what's that movie with um leonardo dicaprio that was directed by basketball diaries yep that's right (laughs) basketball diaries no it's uh inception we have dreams upon dreams except it's just like layers and layers of inhibiting other people's bodies and Mm. and minds Mm -hmm. and trying to escape from different mind and physical prisons yep um i really enjoyed this issue i thought it was was great great. it was a good issue and uh, henry con is excellent very, very good. So this is when, when Wade finishes at, at um, Captain America, he's doing Doctor Strange. Ugh, I don't understand how, like, in the space of, I think, a year, Mark Wade has gone from being one of my favorite writers to me being like, Ugh, Yeah. No, I don't want him on Doctor Strange. Who knows? I mean, I, mean, I think Strange, he's, he's doing Strange and Ant-Man. Ugh. Ant-Man is, like, pretty like, blank slate <laughs> enough that I think he could do something good. Yeah, true. But I'm really, I, I, I wish Kate was sticking around for longer because at this point, in this issue, he brings back, you know, uh, Strange's main foe in mm-hmm. a really really cool way. Mm-hmm. You should you should read it, everybody. It's a great cliffhanger. To end it up. is. It's a good issue. Real good fun. series. Uh, let's go to the X Men world now on the Gold Coast. <laughs> Imagine that oh. X Men world, the theme park. <laughs> what would you do? I'd go to the mansion and um, talk to Professor X and ride around in his little hover hover chair. Mm-hmm. Is that bad? Uh, no, that's cool. You're, yeah, it's like a 
it's just a, a wheelchair yeah. like experience. You just it's not even like a ride. You just sit in a wheelchair and slowly wheel yourself around yeah. the X Mansion. I love that idea. That's great. That's great. It teaches you And about you're like this fucking accessibility. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. A friend of mine was saying, um, Doctor uh, Professor X is like the worst example of a disabled person in comics ever. And people with disabilities um never see him as like, you know, a good representation of being disabled because there's no fucking ramps in the X mansion. He's in a chair and he's like, there's just stairs everywhere. And also he's constantly like, look, I can walk again. Isn't that better? Everyone. <laughs> now I'm dead. Bring back Oracle. What I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, X-Men Anyways, Red. Sorry. X-Men Red came out this week, uh, written by the aforementioned Tom Taylor with art by Mahmoud Asra. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Cool. Um, and uh, colors by Ive Sforchina. Um, and uh, this is the team of Jean Grey, Nightcrawler, Trinary, Wolverine, and Honey Badger, um, which is a great lineup of names that, like, a year ago I would be like, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm really on board for this. I think it's a really, really fun X book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it's very much setting setting the stones for – is that the term? Mm. <laughs> setting, the, setting the dominoes. What? And then he's going to topple the dominoes. Good. Hmm. But like you, like I said, like not not many massive moments happening in this issue. I loved uh, Gambit's um, entrance to mm-hmm, the book in mm-hmm. this, and um, in which he helps take down a mob of uh, of uh, people who hate hate mutants. Yeah, you know what Tom Taylor is doing that Mark Wade has been trying to do a lot and not pulling off. And I think Mark Wade should maybe pay attention to what Tom Taylor is doing. Is Tom Taylor is doing an excellent job of referencing contemporary events and being slightly political in his books, but it's not. Uh, sanctimonious and it's not obvious well, and it's like a little bit more subtle. He's using the classic Marvel trope of using um, mutants, mutants to yeah. represent every minority. Yes. So Look, whereas, it fucking works, guys. Whereas, yeah, like, you know, like Tom Taylor will be like, oh, we found some mutant traffickers. Yeah. Whereas, like, <laughs> uh, Mark Wade would be like, we found Middle Eastern children traffickers. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. God, there, that's how you do it in, my, in, in, in a big dumb superhero comic that's how you do it it's absolutely how you do it um, and I love Azra I love this team this version of Jean Grey isn't annoying and they bring in all these like classic X-Men things like Sentinels and bigotry it works and really yeah, well Honey Badger Gabby is a great you know comedic relief with a lot of heart on the yep. team it's cute without being annoying yeah absolutely. great book really great book I'm happy that this is my one X book that I'm reading now yeah. But um, you're not as smart as me, Siobhan. I'm not. I'm also... I've, I have stopped mostly reading X-Books because they just do my head in. Well, I, I, well I, should I pick up X-Men Gold this week because it's the wedding issue or the proposal at the very least? Yeah. I'm going to pick that up because they have not, like... There's been no evidence of Kitty and Colossus being, like, even interested in a relationship with each other up until this point. And were they, were they hooking up at the very start of the run? No. Yes, they were. No, I don't remember. (laughs) But I don't care. It sucks and it's annoying. They banged. Anyway, I read X-Men Issue 1, it was like, hey, let's bang. And they're like, okay. And then the end of the issue, like, want to bang again? That was the cliffhanger. (laughs) See, I feel like I would have read that and enjoyed it. (laughs) Um, But I read X-Men Blue, issue 25, written by Colin Bunn, with art by Jorge Molina inks by Craig Young and colors by Matt Miller. And this is X-Men Blue, instead of being like the time-displaced X-Men, are now Polaris, Bloodstorm, alternate universe Storm, who's a vampire, Dakin, 
Jimmy, whatever the fuck his name is, who's alternate universe young sexy Wolverine, and then Zorn, who we're not sure who, sure who that is, and then a Japanese child whose name I forget, who was part of like the the you know the Japanese kids that love Wolverine. Okay. Anyway, and they're going up against a new sort of team of like a brotherhood of evil mutants, I guess, led by newly disfigured faced Havoc, Miss Sinister, who's like Mister Sinister but in a sexy corset, and is basically like. What if Emma Frost liked black instead of white? Also Emma Frost. And then who's this bro who... Oh, what's his name? Fuck, fuck, fuck. Is it just Magneto up there? Yeah, also Magneto. Right. Um, and then... This, no, but Magneto is the head of X-Men. He, that's his X-Team. He's fighting these bros. Okay. Who's the guy who makes the Sentinels? Oh, uh, Striker? Bastion. Bastion. There we go, Bastion. And he's like half Sentinel now. And they're doing this thing called Mother Vine, which is like, we're going to make everyone extra mutants. They're bringing back Vine. They're bringing back the Vine, guys. social media guys. platform that and then people loved. They're crossing it with um, that energy drink, which turns you into an asshole. Mother. Yeah. Don't you think it turns you into an asshole? I mean, all energy drinks turn you into assholes. Correct. Don't drink energy drinks, people. Yeah, they're bad for you. Eat an apple. Eat an apple. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, God, this is boring. Do you reckon Cullen Bunn sounds like a um, like an Irish folklore character? Yes. Like he'll be the next thing that like uh, um happens in Brave and the Bold. The yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's you've been haunted by the Cullen Bunn. You want to do more in your Irish accent? Do more later. Yeah, it's good. Next next issue episode five. You get five Irish words in episode. Great, excellent. <laughs> uh, My so, name doesn't count. Oh yeah, true. Um, pass me that issue, please. Sure thing. Um, we're talking about Despicable Deadpool because he's in the X-World on the Gold Coast. Uh, Deadpool 298, written by Jerry Duggan, coming to the end of his long and celebrated run uh, with art by Mike Hawthorne, Terry Pallett, and Jordi Belair. Um, beautiful looking issue, this one. Yeah, really great. I love great. all the, the, the grey cloud because there's so much destruction of streets. Mm-hmm. Just, there's always like a Nintendo 64 era cloud over everything. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, this basically... Uh, the end of the last issue, Deadpool put a $20 million hit out on himself, mm-hmm. um, I guess because he's suicidal and wants mm-hmm. to be finally destroyed once and for all. And this sees uh, Bullseye and Taskmaster uh, team up to take him out. Um, and uh, they can't do the job, even with the assistance of uh, a guy in a wheelchair and with, with, a, with a bow and arrow. Yep. Um, and the juggernaut at the beginning. That's right. Uh, but it's really funny and um, you know has that kind of like bleak... Mm. sadness that uh, that Deadpool's been kind of besmirched with yeah. <laughs> since Duggan took over um, and uh, but it's yeah it's a it's a it's a great issue and it's still funny and it's still smart I like it and so yeah it looks like the next issue is going to be all the heroes tr- coming in to take him in once and for all but I've heard that happen before yeah um, good fucking luck friends look at that last panel yeah where you have all the heroes who is that guy with a, a stilt head like his head is on a stilt. Mm. Oh, that's one of the mercs for money. Don't worry. Okay. Carry on. Go yeah, on. I don't know who that is. Who's the big gorilla at the back? Uh, probably also a merc for money. Great. Um, good issue, though. Really good issue. Really good run. Um, and we've got, we've got two more issues left. Wow. Crazy. Crazy stuff. Life. Um, so I've got two more Marvel books to talk about. Um, three more, even. Um, oh, Mar- Avengers No Surrender continued with issue number 688. Avengers. Um, we have like a, a couple more issues of this uh, weekly Avengers book um, to go, <coughs> and I just like I have to reiterate. I really find this a lot of fun. 
Mm. Um, I think you would too. This saw basically it's like you know this big mishmash of different Marvel heroes that are all on all the different Avengers teams um, that are kind of teaming up to take on. Uh, these various teams of evil people that have been assembled by like the Grand Master or whatever, some celestial being and a challenger, um, using Earth as like their battleground to kind of wage a like win a bet basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's really like treating Earth as shittily as possible. The Hulk is back and angry as hell. Oh um, no! But used to great effect in this, in which he tries to take on a celestial being and is flung into space. Um, and that may set up his next series. Um, but then you have uh, a great moment um, for Quicksilver in which he needs to be faster than usual in order to catch this thing, which is keeping all of the other heroes in stasis. So his big heroic moment. <laughs> so he goes slightly faster than usual. Well, yeah, and he gets um, his sister, Scarlet Witch, to uh, basically like you know give him some magical power to allow him to go even faster. And it was a cool little team-up moment. Then you have other moments like the guy who can – use electricity and also Roberto and Thor and Hercules, everyone like basically stepping up. Just that great moment where everyone steps up to do a very specific role in saving the world. Yeah. It's fun. I really, really like goofy uh, superhero books like this and this is super goofy. So well done to the creative team of everyone. Mark Wade, Al Ewing, Jim Zub, Kim Jacinto and Stefano Caselli and David Curiel. Uh, I'm enjoying this and it's only a few issues left. When it's all collected in trade, uh, this would be such a fun one to binge in one afternoon. Yeah. An afternoon, specifically. Yeah, you looked. Afternoon. You looked at me like, oh, that'll be a bad morning. I agree. <laughs> Save it for the afternoon. It'll be great. Nice. <clears throat> um, final two Marvel books are Star Wars ones. Um, just quickly, uh, Darth Vader issue fourteen, written by Charles Soule, with pencils by Giuseppe Camicoli, which he's just the the best dude on. Uh, actually, no, both these artists are, are doing great stuff on Star Wars, but he's great. Great inks by Danielle Orlandini and colors again by David Curiel. Um, and this is uh, another you know, Darth Vader as the Punisher slowly traveling through the universe and taking out the last few Jedis who, who he didn't destroy at the end of episode three. Um, this sees uh, the Mon Calamari and Admiral Akbar's people. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what they're really called? Yeah. Display, Good Lord. Yeah, display how powerful their technology is. And uh, it's a pretty impressive moment. And uh, this issue ends with Darth Vader submerged in water. But uh, I enjoyed this. Sexy. In, in, I, I, you know... As much as it was a bore in the prequels, I do enjoy the like political side of Star Wars stuff when it's done well, and it's done well in this, and it's not even well even it's not even better in the uh, Star Wars Thrawn comic book adaptation by Jody Hauser, um, with um, art by Luke Ross and colors by Nolan Wooded. Um, this is like a, a, a adaptation of a book from God, but written by Timothy Zahn would have been close to thirty years ago now. And um, and uh, it's about basically like a member of uh, an alien race. He's blue. That no, one, he's quite mysterious. No one knows anything about him. But he's uh, volunteers himself to jo- join the empire. And this is basically about his rise to power. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's pretty like he, he seems un- un- unassuming, but he knows he's got a very very um, clever strategic mind. Um, I really, really like it. I love Jody House's writing and the structure of each issue. You know, it's a novelization, so there, it is extremely wordy. Mm. But I think they do a great job of breaking up all the text with action. The oh, art looks great too. And the art, again, yeah, like I said, like this, th- these are probably my two favorite artists working on uh, on uh, Star Wars books at the moment. Just Giuseppe Camicoli and Luke Ross. So great stuff all around, making good Star Wars books for me to read. Nice. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, so that's Marvel. Now we're yep. going to do DC. It was an off week for DC. Only three books. Woo! Thank goodness. Detective Comics 978, 
Uh, Batman Eternal continues with a book written by James Tinian IV and art by Javier Fernandez with colors by John Calise. Uh, this sees Tim Drake and Batman uh, teaming up to take out someone who has been orchestrating all of these uh, events that they think may be Kath- Kate Kane and her, and her military father. Mm-hmm. It turns out it's that, it's that kid. It's that Ulysses. sassy teen. Is his name Ulysses? Yeah. Yeah, Ulysses, um, he, he offered Tim Oh, God, Drake. I didn't see the last page for some reason. Yeah, pretty happy. <gasps> but, yeah, he's been basically, like, using uh, the OMAC system, which he took from the future mm-hmm. um, and is basically, like, yeah, bringing carnage to, uh, to like, you can't say, there are so many words that you can't use because they are superheroes or supervillains, yeah. but he's bringing hell nice. to Gotham. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Basically, like it, yeah, I think I didn't finish this by accident. This Correct, not, this pro- I did not finish this issue by accident. This is probably going to lead to um to Batman and Batwoman uh, working together again and realizing that making out that prophecy of no, they're like what? They're Sorry, cousins? Aren't they cousins? <laughs> yes. Also, Batwoman is gay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Batman is married. Um, yeah, engaged. cool though. Engaged. Yeah, fun. Look, just fun. This is this is James Tinney and the fourth doing what I like him doing. Not that immortal men thing. No. God no. It's all Jim Lee's fault. Yeah, it's all Jim Lee's fault. Most things are. Uh, you know, I heard a cool thing oh, about cool. Jim Lee though today. Oh, I yeah. mean, not today, recently. Just a nice thing. Apparently, okay. he's quite a nice man. Apparently, he's a very incredibly nice man. Very generous with his time, etc. Um, but apparently, he has it in his contract that if you like fly him out to do a con or something, he has to like bring a couple of people with him who are other creators because he's like, I get that I'm the big name, but I'm about pushing comics forward as a medium. And if you want me, you're gonna have to you take have to these three guys these that you've never heard of men. as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, none of them are women. <laughs> I mean, maybe they're women. I don't know. But anyway, I still thought that was a cool, nice thing about him. Yeah, he's great. Uh, <laughs> I love cool rumors. New Superman and the Justice League of China, issue number 22, came out this week. Um, written by Jean Luen Yang, with art by, is it Ivan Peoples? Ooh, I don't know. You need to see the last name and try and take a guess. Cause DC are Frank r- Peoples. Frank Peoples, not Ivan. Small Peoples. <laughs> Giant Peoples. Small Peoples got... Fruity Peoples. Da, da, da. Oh, that's good. Thanks. Um, but yeah, <laughs> how long it's taking us to find his name? Yeah, um, inks by Matt Santarelli, Brent Peoples, Brent Peoples, Brent Peoples, and uh, colors by Hi-Fi. <clears throat> um, this is uh, basically like a setup for this new Aquaman, who is a Korean guy who gets his weird water power um, and uh, is first treated as a villain, but they let him go because they he has good diplomatic in him. incidents, <clears throat> etc. Batman is captured and put into a cell with, I guess, the Chinese equivalent of of Bane. Yeah. Is called Anathema. 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 And then you also meet the Joker, who is Alpaca. Yeah. <laughs> We've, have good. we seen him before? No, but oh, I like it. Fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, he has like a, a scary skull, like llama skull face. Um, and then uh, Superman, the new Superman, uh, has like this realization that, you know, he, he's been training. He's been trying to like, you know. Achieve enlightenment through meditation. That's right. And he finally does so in this and becomes like the manifestation of power. And so he gets a big, beautiful... Actually, he looks like Apollo, the superhero. Midnighter's boyfriend. Oh. Apollo. Um, it's like this big uh, white so He looks like a polo? And I was like, like a lolly? Anyway. No, like the t-shirt. Um, and he, I, this is the first time I ever realized that the S in the new Superman logo was yin-yang. That's really, yeah. cool. That's really, really cool. <laughs> But his costume is awesome. He has big white, like yeah. platinum white hair. I hope that's what he looks like now. I really yeah, he looks that. like a Super Saiyan slash um, White Lantern. Yeah. Slash Superman. Yeah. 
from China. It's great, guys. It's really, really great. Like every time I start one of these issues, I'm like, oh, am I, do I still want to read this? And by the end of the show, I'm like, fuck yeah, give me the yeah. next one. In this, Wonder Woman is secretly a giant snake lady. It's the best, guys. Yeah. She's dating chubby Batman. There's a lot going on, though. So it's always like, you're like, oh, okay, I've got to remind myself what's happening in this But world. it's worth it. I love it. Yep. Uh, finally, from Young Animal this week, we got another issue of Eternity Girl, written by Magdalene Visaggio, with art by Sonny Liu and Chris Chukri on colors. Um, and this is uh, about a, um, like a sui- <laughs> suicidal metahuman. Yep. Um, who hates living mm-hmm. um, and realizes the uh, it's basically told the only way for her to die is to take the rest of the universe with it yeah with her because she is immortal um, and so we get this is issue is split with her like miserable human life and then this crazy big space adventure that she's uh, embarking on to destroy the universe it's great this is such a good book yeah it's such really interesting really different really unique um, really like does a great job of sort of using uh, like classic Kirby-ish comics um, and stuff that's come before it and then telling a really unique, fresh feeling story with that. And I love it. I think it's really clever. Yeah. Um, and the art's so unique. Is this, is this, was it announced that this is only a six-issue miniseries? Oh, I don't know. I think it might be. Either way, look, as long as they're telling the story that they want to tell, I'm fine with however long it is. And yep. as, I hope that this these guys and even if they're not necessarily a team i hope that they get to work more because i think this is a really impressive uh debut from visaggio especially totally agree totally agree um so over to image now and we got a bunch of second issues of some uh first issues that we quite liked um starting with dry county number two Mm -hmm. written and drawn by rich tomaso who gave us a spy seal and uh many other comics um one of which she wolf yeah, um, Clover Honey um, came out. The artist cut of that came out through Image last week, which I picked up and we'll be reading this week. Yeah, cool. I need to read that, that as well. Um, but uh, Dry County is like a pretty straight down the middle, like kind of uh, mystery, pulpy mm-hmm. kind of mystery book. Um, it has an amazing aesthetic, beautiful colors. Yep. Um, it's told almost like a kind of like crime, pulpy crime novel, but mm-hmm. like handwritten and like ripped out kind of diary pages is, is the way we kind of get the, uh, the narration. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's yeah, it's about like a a, a man whose uh, new newly attained girlfriend is yep. uh, is kidnapped. Um, that's how it works. Like you attain, a yeah, girlfriend. you attain a girlfriend, and then you move on to the next level. Um, and uh, I can't say I am uh, as enthralled by the story as I am the art and the general aesthetic of the book, but those other things are so wonderful that I don't really care. The story is a bit lacking so far. Yeah, I mean, it's just sort of like, uh, it's quite a gentle mystery mm. thus far. It's sort of like this, I like it because it's a bit kind of realistic. Like this guy's like, okay, cool. I have to like finish my job, etc., before I try and track down my kidnapped girlfriend. Yeah. It's kind of like that. I like that it's a bit sort of slow moving and a little bit um, quiet. Yeah. Definitely. A little I, bit more realistic maybe I, than we're used to. I liked that the first issue had a lot more weird, wacky moments. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. The, the, the repeating of, of the main character getting hit by a car, I guess, is that. But mm-hmm. I liked the kind of stranger sides in the, of the first issue. Mm. I'm still enjoying this a lot. I highly recommend it. Tri-County, just for a beautiful looking book. Absolutely. I recommend everything that Rich Tomaso has done. I think he's so clever and so under, like, I don't understand why more people aren't totally nuts about his books because I think he's so unique. I think, you, unfortunately, you just have to have that, like, you know, Big two work behind you in order yeah. for your your you know create create our own stuff to really succeed. Yeah, which is a which, bummer because I don't want him to do like a no. Green Lantern book first or whatever. But although although that would be pretty great, wouldn't it? 
Uh, so yeah, highly recommend Dry County. Go check it out. Absolutely. Uh, we've got issue two of Gideon Falls, which is the new one from Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino, best known for Old Man Logan. Uh, Dave Stewart is on color here, so it's a brilliant team. And this is a very strange uh, book. Very spooky. Um, about a, um, a man who is uh, seeing a therapist because he is obsessed with going through trash mm-hmm. um, in order to find little relics that he thinks make up something from his mind called the Black Barn. A scary barn. Big scary barn, and it's also something being seen by a uh, newly um, stationed priest mm-hmm. in a small town who is uh, currently suspect number one for a murder of an old lady. And uh, there's other, other other things going on, but it's a big spooky book of mystery. Absolutely, and it's a really unnerving kind of mood to the psychological book. horror vibes. And Sorrentino is like really knocking it out of the park with this. Like this is sort of almost more scratchy there's more texture to everything in this than i've seen in anything he's done before everything looks like it's kind of unraveling at its core and then the sort of really clever like fisheye lens panels and the, just the way that he arranges pages i think is Agreed. um yep. really impressive really and this great. is really a, a terrifying terrifying read i don't like to read it, it while i'm alone it's slow but in a way that's enthralling absolutely yeah um, Gideon Falls, very cool book. Very cool. Um, be interested to see where this goes by the end of the first trade. I guess like five or six issues in. Yeah. Um, Oblivion Song, issue number two, the latest from uh, Robert Kirkman with our I forgot to read this. Lorenzo De Felici, um, about a uh, a small town um, that um, has basically like what they uh, assume was a. Um, a rapture moment mm-hmm, in which mm-hmm. a bunch of people go missing, but it turns out that a portal open, they're all transported to a uh, place with all these hor- hor- horrific monsters. Um, and uh, we, there's like one guy who basically now travels from our world to theirs um, in order to find the people that are still stuck in this world full of monsters. Only this in this issue, he learns that um, time moves faster there. So more time has passed in this weird monster dimension and there are like a hundred or so humans still in the monster world, but they have a a civilized enough society that they do not want him to find them. Right. But he still wants to. Right. Um, Is this a good issue? Yeah. I mean, what's interesting about this is that like this uh, artwork is very, very cartoony in a way Mm. that I'm not used to from, I mean, I, I guess Invincible was a much more cartoony kind of yeah. prospect. And yeah, this does have monster, big, crazy monsters in it, but the the kind of, uh, the themes feel similar to Walking Dead or like, um, what was the exorcism one? Outcast. Outcast. But the artwork is much more cartoony than both of those. Yeah. So, um, it is cool seeing Kirkman do something that's much more comic booky than those mm. ones. Yeah, it's cool. I'm going to stick with this and see where it goes. It's not as compelling as his other stuff yet, but I'll keep giving it a chance. Yeah, cool. Uh, did you read uh, Prism Stalker? I sure two? did. Man, I love this book. Yeah, this is really cool. I wasn't sold on the first issue, but you explained what actually happened to it. If you go back <laughs> and listen to that episode, you hear me go, whoa, that's right. Uh, created by Sloane Leong with letters by, oh, which means, I guess that means that she's the writer and artist. Um, yeah. With letters by Ariana Mayer. And colorist. Um, and the colors are probably vibrant. My, my favorite thing about this book is the colors. Absolutely. Um, this is like a freaky alien book in which um, someone who is of human form uh, yeah. is basically taken as a slave to do things for like this kind of superior alien race. Yeah. Um, and uh, we meet all these other race, like aliens that are, are employed to do the same thing. She feels alone. Shit fucking sucks for this girl. Hey. 
Yeah, really, it's like, it's really sad. She's from like a refugee asteroid. And on the asteroid, it was like this bizarre thing where the mothers lost the ability to speak to their daughters. So she doesn't really even have a relationship with her mother. And she's lost her sister. And on this planet, they're sort of stripping her of her identity um, and forcing her into service for this greater good that she's not even aware of. Um, And I think this is super clever. It's really high concept. It's very like, if you, if you're, if you watch sci-fi and you're like, why is everyone human-shaped? That doesn't make any sense. This is the book for you because almost no one is human-shaped in this. Um, and I, I love it. Yeah, it's really, really strange and yeah, uh, ethereal. Doesn't, doesn't really want to give you many answers. No. But um, I, was, I was nowhere near as lost in this as I was in the first issue. No, it's, uh, if, you liked, um, the, if you like Mirror, oh, yeah. that book, I think you would get a lot out Amorios? of this as well. Is that Amorios? Yep. Yep, cool. Uh, Sleepless, issue number five, came out this week, written by mm-hmm. Sarah Vaughan, with art by Leila Del Duca, um, and Alyssa Sala and Darren Bennett make up the creative team on this one. Um, this is uh, a book about a, um, a royalty um, mm-hmm. that have uh, soldiers assigned to them. Basically, mm-hmm. a princess has an, uh, uh, someone called a sleepless, and it's a, sli- a knight who doesn't sleep. And um, we're learning more and more about the folklore of the sleepless. Basically, mm-hmm. some of them if you don't sleep for, you know, basically the idea is that they never sleep. So therefore, whenever there's a threat to those who they protect, they'll, they're, they're there for them. Yeah. Um, and, but you can lose yourself to the sleep. Yes. And uh, start seeing visions and, and basically lose your mind. And that's what's mm-hmm. happening to our, our main sleepless in this issue as uh, he, the princess that he has sworn to protect uh, learns more about those who are trying to kill her and makes allies with people that she thought she hated in previous issues. I love this book so much. It's so beautiful. And again, I'll just say like this, this is the kind of book that uh, like, you know, is this kind of fantasy, like, uh, you know, period setting that doesn't seem very appealing to me, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, a lot of people might be put off by like the sort of genre and basic concept of it, but it's so worthwhile guys. It's really a spectacular book. I think it's so unique and the art's so gorgeous. Yeah. So, so gorgeous. It's really, really great. And the relationship between the knight and the princess is beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, I loved the discussion between the two princesses in yep. this book. I mm-hmm. thought it was probably the highlight of the series so far. Yeah, absolutely. As they both learn each other's true motives. Uh, really cool. Really cool stuff. Very great. Uh, did you remember to read Deadly Class this week? I did. Hey, Three. all right. Deadly Class, issue number 33, written by Rick Remender with art by Wes Craig. Uh, it's funny, like I... I feel like we don't see much of Remender these days. Like, yeah, I know. He's he's he puts out. Yeah, you know, he's still, he's still putting out one comic a month, but for a while he's putting out like four. Absolutely. And if you read the back matter in this issue, I think it's because he's working on a lot of film and TV stuff. Really, including yeah. that's right. This is getting adapted, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Um, and uh, look, we've we've said for a while this is our favorite of Remender's uh, creator own books at the moment, and this issue like was everything I love about this yeah. series, like the insane violence and, and crazy narration, the fucking eternal bummer that is the fate that awaits every character. Absolutely. Um, and just like the, you know, quite like, no, the punk spirit, which I feel like is a very, very hard thing for a comic book to, uh, to uh, put into its, into mm-hmm. its pages. I think they, it's, it's, it's not just Rick Remender's writing, but it's definitely Wes Craig's art. Yeah. That, that really just, there is this total sense of, just frantic Absolutely. on on, uh, on the pages. The violent, the violence really hurts when you see it on pages. And yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's excellent. I think like 
yes, Romantic is obviously great, but Wes Craig is the thing that makes this book like a must read for me every month. And I would, I will follow him to the ends of the earth. Whatever Wes Craig does next, I'm going to be there because I think he's a huge talent. Awesome. Uh, it's a steady class issue number thirty-three. We're coming to the oh, towards the, the end of a very very sad arc. Oh yeah, I meant to have this after the sleepless one because it's written by Sarah Vaughan as well. Whoops, uh, written by Sarah Vaughan and Jonathan Luna with art by Jonathan Luna is Eternal Empire, issue number eight. Um, again, another kind of high fantasy book. This one's extremely high fantasy. It's about mm. like these spirits of these dragons that are awakened in these three people from separate tribes. Yeah, in this uh, shitty future. Um, where you, there are lots of slaves and and, and uh, bad people looking, mm-hmm, hurting mm-hmm. and killing the slaves all the time, and basically this sees like the 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 union of these three very different people who have this, the dragon spirits within them, um, as the, our two kind of protagonists are being forced against their will to team up and do something horrendous to their people. Oh no! Um, I am ready for this book to be over soon. Yeah, I'm right. hoping twelve issues at most versus eight. Um, it's, I would assume so. It's good. It's just like, it's kind of slow. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it though. I think it's it'll good. probably be better in trade. That's yeah. my assumption. Definitely. What you, what you, uh, I, read, I read the next issue of Versus. Oh, yep. The book by uh, Ivan Brandon with art by Asad Ribich and colors by Nick Klein. This is very confusing. I think... I think maybe too confusing for me. Right. I think this is another one that I might want to revisit and trade because, like, Asad Ribic is amazing and the art's gorgeous and the concept is really interesting. It's sort of like war games to the nth degree um, where war is, like, the, the popularized sport on TV. But I'm losing track of characters and who's who on a month-by-month basis. Um, and it's not the sort of book where they're, like, you know, I, I think that, um, what's his name, Ivan Brandon loves a good uh, slow drip feed of information. He doesn't like to spell anything out for you. So um, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a tough one. So I'll yeah. probably revisit and trade. I'm not sure if his style of writing is for me. So I tapped out of this one. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, Manifest Destiny issue number 34 uh, came out this week, uh, written by Chris Dingus and Matthew Roberts with Tony Akins and Owen Gianni. Um, and uh, you talk about this. I need to go get something. Hang on one second. She's going to the toilet, everybody. Don't listen. I'm not. To lies. I'm not, guys. I'm not. <laughs> um, Manifest Destiny issue number thirty-four. This is the book about. Oh, you're going to fuck up. I'm going to say Burke and Wills, but uh, they're not the explorers. They're whoever they are. Uh, about the explorers traveling from one side of America to the other. Um, this was um, when it started. A book all about like insane monsters that um, plague our, our would-be heroes as they make their way for, to their destination. Basically, the whole thing is about uh, procuring a, uh, a, a child um, of a Native, Native uh, American. Um, and uh, we, um, we see, like we've seen in, in, in the last few um, issues of this uh, series, it become less and less about these supernatural things that these uh, characters come across and more about, you know, kind of similar way to Walking Dead has become less about zombies and more about the people in this world. This is now more about the inner fightings between uh, both sides of uh, like, you know, the, the, the religious people in the camp and the non-religious. There is definitely still some supernatural elements. There is a ghost that one of the main characters sees who has now chosen to align himself with someone else, which is probably a good thing because why would you want to be haunted by a, 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 a Spanish ghost at all times? Actually, now that I said that actually sounds pretty fun. But yeah, this book is, uh, is it's very different to what it was when it started and that's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a really cool, weird and uh, an inventive adventure book. Go check it out, Manifest Destiny. Uh, that's it for the image reviews. And uh, now we move over to books that came out through other publishers. And I'll find a book that I read that Siobhan did not to talk about first. 
Um, I've talked about this book a lot in the past. I love this series. Probably one of my favorite books coming out at the moment. It is Atlas and Axis, which is another of the um, translated uh, European comics coming out through Titan Comics Statics Press imprint. This book is uh, an adventure book about two dogs. One of them's name is Atlas. One of them is Axis. And they are kind of like high adventurers by way of like Tintin or Asterix. However, this is a bit of a bloodthirsty book um, and uh, there's a lot of death in it. Um, they are warriors who at the, at, in the first issue saw all of their kind of tribe and, and, and families destroyed by these um, wolves, who like, almost like Viking wolves who travel from land to land. Oh my God. Siobhan's baby is here to review the rest of the books. Um, Siobhan, this looks like a really hey. fun family-friendly book for you to read to your, your, your son. But but it is not. It's lot, about death, right? Yes, yeah, stacks of violence in it. But this issue, issue number four of Atlas and Axis, um, you know, what could be better than a book about dogs and swords? Well, how about dinosaurs and woolly mammoths as well? Ooh. This book has it all. Great. Um, and uh, this was an excellent issue. It's really, really funny and, and, and strange and so fucking European. And look, I said, if, if, if you're a fan of... Uh, sorry, I swore. No, look, baby. that's a good title for a podcast as well. So <laughs> fucking European. <laughs> but it's a fashion podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it has a lot of like heart. And if you're looking just like a successor to like like a Tintin adventure book, this is a, a really, really fun Yeah, cool. Book. Uh, so I'm going to try and burn through these other publishers' ones because uh, uh, like, you, you want to make reviewing comics even harder. Do it while holding a baby. Yeah. A baby who loves to grab everything and put it in his mouth. Let's give him something to hold. Yeah. Hey, you want this mouse? You want this mouse? <laughs> oh, it's a mouse. Look at this. No, it's dirty. Okay. All right. What's well, not a dirty thing? Um, How about that Tintin statue I gave you? Is that breakable? Uh, yeah, he'll break that. <sighs> That's all right. What are those post-it notes? Yeah. Rip him off a chunk of post-it notes. I'll do that. With I've, got, I've got free hands. Here you go. This is the best idea I've ever had. Post-it notes, Shatterstar. Pretty cool. Good to eat. There you go. Um, how, the Highest House, issue number two, came out through IDW. This is the oversized uh, book by the same creative team who gave us The Unwritten through mm-hmm. Vertigo, Mike Carey and Peter Gross, with colorist Fabian Alquia. Um, and this is a book about um, a boy who um, was basically sent to work at Basically, he's taken from his family, um, sold, actually. He's sold. Mm-hmm. His family sells him to work for the highest house, which is a house that overlooks all of the poor villages. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a supernatural being calling out to him at night um, that basically wants him to uh, pledge his allegiance to him so that he can save him from his you know, fate of certain death because everything in this highest house is pretty much against him and out to kill him. Yeah. Um, and uh, that supernatural force revealed itself at the end of this issue, and God damn it, I could not wait for issue three. Yeah, this is a great book. I really enjoy it. This is some silly fantasy stuff. Reminds me a lot of like many, many fantasy books that I read as a kid. Uh, it's like really bleak child selling yep. fantasy. Your favorite? Well, <laughs> absolutely. You've got to be an orphan to have adventures. <laughs> um, I highly rate this. I think it's really great. If you like The Unwritten, definitely check this out. Yeah, definitely. And, um, it's I, worth it for the covers. I was, I was looking forward to issue number three and you have to wait long and all for some reason it's coming out this week. Hell yeah. So I don't know great. why it's happening, but it is and that's great. Can't wait. Uh, Bloodshot Salvation, number eight. Speaking yes. of holding babies while doing dumb things. This this book gives me like palpitations at the moment yeah. because I can't deal with anything to do with children anymore in comics. And this is like the worst possible scenario for any parent. Trapped in hell. Bloodshot's <laughs> baby daughter is uh, is dying. Mm-hmm. And so Bloodshot obviously does the smart thing and takes her to hell with him. It makes which sense. The last issue, which I didn't get to review because it was the week that I was away. 
um, which was all silent. Sorry, no, there was no pictures. It was all text. Like yeah. him being blind, I thought was one of the best comics Incredible. that Lemire's ever done. Lemire is so This is written by good. Jeff Lemire with um, art by Renato Guedes and Simon Boland. Um, this sees, yeah, Bloodshot uh, basically walking his daughter through hell, taking down demons and mm-hmm. uh, meeting up with Shadow Man in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and he but is not race rummed, unfortunately. No race rummed, nowhere, nowhere to be seen. Hi, bubs. Um, and uh, he's basically given like an ultimatum from this evil being that if he wants to save his daughter, he has to kill somebody. And he's like, who? When he's like, well, you know, he's, she's your daughter. It doesn't matter who. Mm. And so we now, I guess he has to kill somebody. We don't know who it's going to be. But it's going to be like his wife or something. Or his, or his baby. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's a great comic though, guys. Really, really good. I think you can get just about anything, anything you want in terms of like an action or superhero book. If you like things that are a little bit sort of darker and more violent, fucking read Bloodshot. Yep. It's the best. It's the best one out there. Let's keep things valiant for a moment because you read Ninjak. I sure did. Written by Christos Gage with art by Juan Jose Rip and colors by Jordi Belair. Um, This is great because it's the start of a new arc. Um, So I'd sort of lost track a little bit of what was going on in Ninjak. Um, And then I sort of caught back up. But this is quite confusing. This is Ninjak fighting a different ninja. Another ninja. Who doesn't, very have, violent. who doesn't have a letter at the end of his name? Well, he was the one who was going to be Ninja K, but then Colin, which is Ninja K's real name, was better at being a ninja than him. So he won and became Ninjak. That's how it works. Um, and now they're fighting. And it's got all of these weird other valiant characters, like, um, you know, that one Costi, the Deathless? No. <laughs> Remember she was in Divinity? Okay. From, she's from the Stalinverse, right. as it well, is known. Um, anyway, she shows up in this. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty silly. It's pretty violent, but I like it. If you like the, if you like Ninjak, check it out. But it's probably not a great jumping on point, even though it's the start of a new arc. Yeah, damn. I kind of feel dumb for jumping off this, but... Look, it's not the best valiant book. I'm okay, sort of reading so. it in spite of myself. <laughs> uh, so now we're going to do a segment called Why is Levin Still Reading These? Yeah, I didn't read any of these, you crazy dude. I read issue two of Sonic the Hedgehog, um, written by Ian Flynn with art by Adam Bryce Thomas. Um, and uh, this is the, the start of a new weekly Sonic book or weekly for the first four issues with different art teams on each book. Um, I didn't even like the first one that much, but I was like, oh, maybe it's pro- there's a promise here. Maybe I will, can learn to love a Sonic book because I know it has a lot of fans, uh, very weird fans. Uh, <laughs> but um, the this had much better art this time. I really liked the art. It was way more, um, way more fun to follow and a lot more, a lot more action and better at doing the action. Um, but annoyingly, this saw a team up between Sonic and a Sonic character that I'm not very familiar with. And that's like, he's like on again, off again, girlfriend. Weird, Amy, weird, weird. Who's like a pink hedgehog who wields a hammer. So basically, this is the Harley Quinn of the Sonic the Hedgehog universe. Oh, God. Which is the worst thing you could say about anyone. <laughs> uh, and he, she loves him, but he just wants to run really fast and... Uh, <laughs> Men. I was like, men. Why am, am I, re- I right? Why am I reading this? And then it's like, next, next time, knock, knock, it's Knuckles. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to read this, issue three as well. <laughs> Is this weekly? Yeah, just for this month. Okay. Whatever. That's good. I'm an idiot. I'll read it. Um, Dodge City, issue two through Dodge Boombox. Well, I kind of liked what the first issue could have been. 
Um, mm. And uh, it's written yeah. by Josh Trujillo, Cara McKee, and Gon- Goncalo Lopez. This just felt to me like a bad imitation of a great boombox series. Yeah. So this is like, yeah, we, we've, we've loved Fence, which was the uh, queer uh, boombox series about fencing. Ooh, we've which loved- I've officially announced, guys. C.S. Picat, if you're in Sydney, she's going to be doing a Queens of Kings hosted panel slash signing on May 18th. Can I wear a wig? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no. okay. dudes, are, dudes are welcome. It's just going to be hosted by Queens of Kings, by which I mean I'm going to be interviewing her. Can for I still the first wear a wig? Can we record yes. it? Uh, yeah. Sick. Probably, yeah. Why awesome. not? Great. Um, and uh, yeah, we really, what else? We uh, Slam, the, mm-hmm. the um, what's that? The one about called? roller derby. Yep. This is the one about dodgeball uh, in which a bunch of characters take dodgeball way too seriously and they have their own uh, hang-ups and problems and... Um, uh, I, All of which are caused by dodgeball, yeah. and yet they continue to play dodgeball. I just, I, I don't need to read another issue of this. The art's cool. I like the art a lot, but there's too many characters, and it's also about dodgeball. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Uh, but there's a there's an ad in the back for something called the, a girl in the Himalayas, which looks really oh, good. I have heard about that. It looks gorgeous. I'm very excited. Yep. Uh, finally, I'm still reading this. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The Archies, this bizarre book written by... Who do they team up with in this issue? Alex Segura and Matthew Rosenberg with art by Joe Eisner. Do they team up with... Oh, God, I'm trying really hard to think of, like... Well, as you know, in the last issue... um, They um, played... They supported Tegan and Sarah. Oh, yeah. And off the back of that, they were given a recording contract. Wow. guess who's being brought in to produce their single? Blondie. Mm. So, Deborah Harry and the other members of Blondie... (laughs) Um, and Debbie Harry and others, and so and Deb- Debbie Harry's like they're recording it, and she's like, "Oh, there's one thing missing," and then she gets up and sings with them. But it's like it's not an actual song; like you're just ty- yeah. you're still just typing words. I'm not going to listen to it in a De- like read it in a Deborah <laughs> Debbie Harry singing voice. And really also, strange. that's not the role of a producer. No. If I was a young band, I'd be like, "Look, Blondie." Stop trying to step all no, over would, our song. Uh, look, if, if Deborah Harry produced no. an episode of Serious Issues, oh she could God. sing all over whatever the hell. Yeah, that would be fine. I would like that. Um, but, yeah, so the next issue um, is them going up against the, uh, a band in the Battle of the Bands. And I was like, oh, who's it going to be? Is it, What crazy real-world band is it going to be? And it's Josie and the Pussycats. Ah, that's so, fine. Yeah. That's good. Weird, it's uh, Dazzler. It's a weird, very weird book. I don't know why I keep reading it. It's it's just this strange oddity of Archie mm. and his friends starting a band and trying to make it as a band. And I guess I had that I have that history. I used to go on tour with, with up and coming bands all the time. Yeah. And uh touring with bands is weird and it's even weirder when the Archies do it. Yeah. So those are our reviews of all the comics that we read this week. Nice. Um, and uh, you can he- tune in every week to hear us do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with babies. Sometimes hey, with Shadister, babies. What's going on? Oh, he ate the microphone. Beautiful. Saliva all over it. Delicious. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for listening. If you want to yeah, find thanks, us guys. online, you can go to facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues Podcast and find our, our group with uh, thousands of other comic book readers mm-hmm. and babies mm-hmm. uh, in there. Uh, we are also on Twitter at Serious underscore underscore Issues. So follow us there or individually at Siobhan CBG and at LevDog. Um, and most importantly, if you want to support the show, throw a few dollars our way, which we will turn into... Uh, food for babies. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much all I spend Patreon money on. Yeah. Uh, nappies and food. Absolutely. Uh, food for children. Um, so please support our children. Uh, Patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll be recording a, uh, a bonus episode very soon. And um, maybe when we when you do the uh, interview with CS Picat from Fence, we'll mm-hmm. maybe, maybe we might put that up in the Patreon feed as well. Yeah, cool. Might do something. I might record some stuff at Free Comic Book Day. Lots of yeah. stuff up there. There's a whole bunch of stuff already there including uh, episodes reviewing graphic novels and mm-hmm. episodes reviewing X-Men characters. 
Yeah. So go check it out. Patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Uh, a bunch of big comics coming out this week, including Action Comics 1000. Make sure oh, yeah. you get that Nicholas Scott variant from kingscomics.com. Um, well, come I'm, and join us at the signing. It's going to be good fun. I'm very excited for the third issue of Batman Creature of the Night, the Kurt Busiek. Um, oh, yeah. Batman, I'd forgotten uh, about that. Real world kind of Batman Elseworlds book. Uh, we also get yeah. the return of Black Hammer. Yes. The Jeff Lemire book uh, enters a new phase Can of Black Hammer. Can you hear Black our excited Hammer, is about that? Age of Doom. Um, and uh, yeah, we get a whole bunch of other stuff too. It's going to be a fun week. So come back and join us. Uh, for us talking about comics and Absolutely. More. And, and maybe surprise babies. Surprise babies. Um, also head to the King's Comics Facebook page because I have a whole bunch of events coming up and it would be lovely to see your beautiful faces there. What's the URL? <laughs> I don't know. Just look up King's Comics. Just Google it. Fucking hell, mate. See you later. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.